My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. I've been preaching in two weeks. Somebody said this week, Pastor Tim, you got the easiest job in the world. You haven't preached in two weeks. Uh, we can debate on how difficult or, or easy my job is, but, but I'm really happy to be back in the pulpit. I, I really, really am. I feel like the next two weeks of preaching are really, really important for me, and especially this morning and tonight. So I really want you to listen. I really want you to, uh, to preach with me, and, and let's try to get, get through to what the Lord wants to hear us and, and, and to hear. What we need to hear from the Lord. Open your Bibles, the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. We started sort of a new theme for the entire year called uh, Live Forward. And the whole idea is that life is lived forward and never, ever in reverse. Now, if, if, if you can remember as far back as, as, as the first Sunday of the year when I launched that, that theme, Live Forward, we talked about what it means to live forward, what it means to live forward. And in many ways, the, the opening sermon talked about the circumstances of our lives and how we should embrace new things and the new things that God is leading us toward. And, and we'll talk more and more about that as the weeks and months go. But this morning, I want to call you uh, back to just the, 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 the very core of our lives together as disciples. I want to talk about our spiritual lives and what it means to live forward spiritually. It is absolutely not guaranteed that you make forward progress in the spiritual life. And as busy and as exciting as our church can be at times, even with all the busyness and excitement, busyness and excitement doesn't necessarily make us more like Christ. We can talk about how difficult or easy my job is, but I feel like my job is to, is to make disciples, not grow a church, m- make, make disciples, which means Somehow I need to preach and live my life in such a way where, where you become more like Jesus and me too in the process. I'm not always sure we do that well, but I want us to. As I say, life is lived forward. Your spiritual life is lived forward and, and, and never in reverse. There is real danger when spiritually you are not moving forward. But sometimes that happens. Now, back in the days before there was GPS, before there was MapQuest even, there was just simply my father, Don Harris's innate sense of direction. My father fearlessly and at top speeds of 45 miles an hour would go out onto the open road without a map, without ever stopping to ask for directions and never, ever, ever listening to my mother, my dad would drive boldly and slowly out across America. Actually, he never went very far, never went very many places. But, but one year in particular, as a family, we loaded up the blue Buick Skylark for a trip to Water Valley, Mississippi. Don Harris, of course, was the helmsman there behind the wheel of the car. My sister and I were in the back seat. Mom's in the front seat. We really never went anywhere as a family, so this is a big deal. Water Valley, Mississippi isn't Disney World, but it ain't Woodburn either, so we were as excited as we could be to get in the car and to go. Now, now Don Harris doesn't take major highways. He doesn't do that. So so understand, we're going to go to Water Valley, Mississippi at a speed of about 45 miles an hour on, on roads less taken 
mistaken but by anybody else. And so we were taking our journey. This particular trip to Mississippi, uh, early in the morning one, one day, we, we stopped and ate breakfast at a Jerry's restaurant. Y'all remember Jerry's? We breakfast at a Jerry's. It was amazing. We, we, we never went anywhere. We never ate out either. So this is a big deal. Again, it ain't Disney World, but it's Jerry's restaurant. And I was pretty excited. We ate breakfast at Jerry's and we came back out into the Skylark. We all got in. Dad cranked up the Skylark. We, we pull out on the highway, and Dad turns right, and Mom says, that's not the way you should go. Okay, that just, when Mom says you're going the wrong way, that just triggers something in Dad, and that just means we're going to go that way. You, you know what I mean? Dad is not going to listen to her. So she said, Don, you're going the wrong way. He said, I believe I know where I'm going. And Mom said, Don, I believe this is the way we came. And dad said, no, I believe I know. So anyway, mom just huffed and looked out her window and dad just drove for hours. Dad drove, all right? I'm in the back seat. Chase is in the back seat. We're just driving on the way to Water Valley, Mississippi. We, we drive for something like 200 miles and we drive for something like four hours, okay? And then we look up and sure enough, somebody says, well, look, it's, a, it's another Jerry's restaurant. Yeah, it's not another Jerry's restaurant. It's the Jerry's restaurant. I mean, by some miracle of navigational adroitness, Don Harris managed to leave a Jerry's, leave point A, drive 200 miles, four hours, and bring us right back to the very same point A. Y'all, that will forever be known as the year that we ate breakfast and lunch at the very same Jerry's restaurant somewhere north of Water Valley, Mississippi. True story. It's amazing that so much gasoline and so much speed <laughs> could be invested in bringing us exactly back to the place where we started. Sometimes this whole blame place is like one big Buick Skylark, you know it? Because some of us are not very far from where we start. There's danger in that. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Let's talk about it. Hebrews chapter 3, just a few verses. These verses have a warning and then a call, a warning and then an encouragement. So listen to what you're being warned against, what you're being called to, all right? Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, while it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. You're being warned against something and called to something. Let, let's talk about it first. Let's talk about the warning. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the, from the living God. Um, the very 
fundamental principle of the Christian life is simply that the commitment to Christ is a commitment to lasting, lasting personal growing. Understand that, that that commitment to Christ is not just walking the aisle. It's not just making a trip through the baptistry. It's, it's not just making some public decision or shaking the preacher's hand or making your grandma happy. A, a commitment to Christ is, is a lasting commitment to personal growing. In other words, there's a conversion that's going to take place, and it's your conversion. There's a transformation that takes place, and what's being transformed is you. If anyone is in Christ, the Word says, there is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you come to Christ, when, when you come to Christ, there are old things in your life that pass away. There are things that you used to think that you no longer think. There are words you used to say that you will no longer say. There were habits that you used to indulge that you will no longer indulge. There were hang-ups that used to trip you up, but you were no longer tripped up by those hang-ups. You understand? Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. This, this commitment to Christ, what we call becoming a, a Christian, it's not just becoming a person who goes to church. It's not just becoming a, a person who occasionally puts a Bible verse on, on, on her Facebook page. It is a lasting commitment to personal growing, personal change. And you never graduate from discipleship. You never graduate from grace. Do you understand? You're never going to reach a point where you're finished growing. You're not going to arrive. You're not going to become so very good at, at this whole business that you have no more room for improvement, that the Holy Spirit has no more edges to shave off of the roughness of your heart. It is a lasting commitment to personal growing. So when we talk about living forward, it's not just about learning to embrace change out there. It's learning to embrace and run toward changes in here, the changes that have to happen in your own heart. It's about your heart. It's about you becoming more and more like Christ every single day. And we all have a long way to go, a long way to grow. So the point is that the Christian life is this forward-moving, forward-growing kind of life. And that growth never ends. And the forward movement never ends. We're always, always living forward, moving forward, and not in reverse. But the author of Hebrews here gives us a warning. And the warning is just simply surrounding the fact that, that this forward growth is not necessarily guaranteed. It's not a given that you will always continue to make progress. Now, it is the Spirit's plan for your life, and it's exactly why Jesus died to create this ongoing process for you. It's not that the Holy Spirit gives up, or it's not that Jesus quits, it's that you quit. You quit Jesus. You quit growing. You quit stretching. You quit obeying. You just give up your own Christian life. And you don't even always know that that's what you've done. Be careful then, verse 12, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil. And unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. The, the horrible fact of the matter is you and I, any one of us, is liable to turn away from God. 
Now, that doesn't mean we drop out of church. Sometimes the very people who turn furthest away from God, they continue to show up at church. Church attendance is not necessarily a really good barometer of who's becoming more like Jesus. It's important, but it's not everything. This horrible tendency in our hearts to, to turn away from God. Now, I know some of you are thinking, you know, Pastor Tim, I, not, I may not be just growing and glowing in Jesus, but, but I don't necessarily think I'm, I'm in reverse. I'm not Don Harris circling the same Mississippi Jerry's restaurant. You know, that, that's not me. I feel like I'm holding my ground. Well, see, that this is the point, that there is no holding ground. The moment you cease to grow, you start to lose ground. The moment you, you, you cease growing in Christ, you start regressing. And there is horrible danger in spiritual regression. You're not just going to press pause on your Christian life and then just, you know, meet Jesus in glory over yonder one sweet day. It does not work that way. There's no pressing pause. It's either moving forward or moving in reverse. And this is my horrible fear as your pastor. I'm concerned that some of you are actually losing ground. It's not an issue of whether or not you continue to grow closer to Jesus or or just remain the same. You don't remain the same. Listen to what the Word says. Be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You could turn away altogether. You say, well, Brother Tim, I believe I know if that's happening. I think I know my own heart. (laughs) No, this is the point. You don't. You don't. When a person begins to to fall away from the Lord and a person begins to lose ground in the way I'm talking about, the fact is you don't realize that that's happening for some time. It's not like somebody just turning off a switch and all of a sudden your heart is cold. No, no, no. It's a slow fade. It's a very slow process of a heart getting harder and harder and harder. If it happened overnight, you'd probably notice, but it doesn't happen overnight. You'd almost have to stop and somebody would have to shake you to wake you up to make you understand the ground that you've lost. Just walk you through some questions. You say, how would I know, Pastor Tim? How would I even know if if this is happening to me? Well, let's just talk about your life. And again, I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about how many Titans game you attend on a Sunday. Honestly, I I don't care about that. I want to talk about your heart. So just first, just look at the, the deep level of satisfaction in your own heart. Is there a deep level of satisfaction there? We all know that only Jesus satisfies a soul. So when you walk with Jesus, when when truly you're in fellowship with him, there's a deep level of satisfaction. It doesn't mean you have everything in the world that you could have, but you have everything that you want. There's nothing to add to the deep level of satisfaction that Christ brings. Does that describe you? Can you just be contented? with your life, with, with your circumstances? You feel like Jesus is enough? What about material things? You know, we're talking about a spiritual life. 
And what most of us in our culture don't understand is that the spiritual life causes us to put priority on things that are invisible, things that are spiritual, things that cannot be bought and sold at the mall or on Amazon. So in other words, the the, the spiritual life has less concern for material things. How dependent upon material things do you feel like you are? How important is your house to you? How important is the decorating of your house to you? How, How important are your clothes and your devices? How important is it for you to continue to consume and buy and have material things? How much of your life will you continue to give away at work just to have more money? Paul himself says that it is that love of money that causes people to turn away. You you can't serve two masters. What about just sin? I mean, I'm a preacher, so I I can use the word. What about just the sin in your life? Do you find yourself going back to it? I mean, just think back about your own life. Think about back in, in, in the periods of your life when you were really more serious about your spiritual life. Do you remember that at that time you would draw lines and, and, and you would say that, that, that a good godly man shouldn't look at those things or shouldn't do those things? Have you started going back to those things? Do you remember how hard it was to break some of your old habits when you were very serious about your life in Christ? Do you remember that you gave things up? Do you remember that? And you gave them up gladly and you gave them up willingly. And even though it was difficult to overcome those habits, do you remember that you felt like that struggle was worth it because you wanted to please Christ? So why have you gone back? What is it that's died in you that now makes you comfortable with your sin once more? Why is it that in the old days, you know, there was a time when there were TV shows you would not watch because they were offensive to you as a Christian? When is it you you stop being offended? When's the last time you were reading a book or watching something on television or listening to something on the radio and you turned it off because it was offensive to you? When is it that you became this person that's no longer offended by anything? See, it's a hardness of the heart. It's like a callus on your finger. It's just worn little by little, day by day, so that eventually you hardly feel anything at all there. And your heart hardens slowly, real slowly. About relationships. Every single relationship problem is a spiritual problem. You know that, right? Every relation, if you have a marriage problem, that's a spiritual problem. And I can tell you, in every single difficult marriage, you have somebody or two people who are not loving like Christ loves. I mean, it's always that simple. It's a spiritual problem. And every relationship problem is a spiritual problem. So if you really want to gauge your spiritual life, the health of your spiritual life, honestly, you can look at the relationships around you. Now, it's very difficult for you to know what it's like to be married to you. Very difficult for me to know what it's like to live on the other side of me. But just pay attention to the people around you. First off, are there any people left around you? Are more and more people distancing themselves from you? Are you becoming more and more alone every day? Do more and more people just find it difficult to be near you? I'm telling you, that's a bad sign, sir. It's a really bad sign when you are so angry all of the time that your family 
perpetually find somewhere else to be rather than in the room with you. That's a bad sign, sir. And you can say, well, I wouldn't get mad. They just, they just bring it out of me. No, it comes out of you because it's in you, sir. And it is a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem that you get mad and you can hang on to that for years. There's something dead in your heart. If you can harbor hatred and you can keep a grudge and you can keep it going and you can keep it raw and tender and you can keep that going for years, there's something profoundly, spiritually broken in your heart. Something horribly wrong. Don't you see it? This incredible lack of patience that you have. This incredible, incredible lack of joy. This incredible loss of kindness. You used to be a kind person, but now almost nobody dares cross you. Do you understand that that these are spiritual problems? All relationship problems are spiritual problems. And if you don't have a friend left in the world... If people continue to to, to find themselves arguing with you, if you continue to have so many people that you have to avoid, there's something wrong with you. That's not the normal Christian life. That's not how a person pursuing Christ develops. You don't become meaner. You don't become more hateful. You don't become less likely to forgive. You should be becoming more like Jesus every day. And if you are not, you're moving in the wrong direction. There's something profoundly wrong. Don't think that this is normal. About just complacency. Now, I said satisfaction. There should be a deep level of satisfaction when you're growing in Christ. But satisfaction is not the same thing as complacency. Complacency is that that Christian person, that spiritual person that's just lost desire. It's almost like apathy. Just don't think much. They just don't care much anymore about the things of Christ. All that's been smothered, all that's been crowded out in your life so that now you're just sort of satisfied, just sort of complacent, just sort of fat and happy in church. There's no desire to grow. There's no conviction for sin. You just sort of sit there all numb and happy. But the problem with that is we serve a perpetually unsatisfied redeemer. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could stay like you are. Jesus is perpetually uncomplacent when it comes to you and me and our growth and our progress. He continues to draw us toward perfection. He's not satisfied with where you are. He's not giving up on you. He's not saying you just rest now. You've come far enough. No, every single day he's calling you forward. Your redeemer is never satisfied. So how can you be so complacent? How can you just think that what you're doing is enough? How can you just think that Jesus somehow is satisfied with you when you don't give him the time of day or you don't give him any single part of your heart anymore? Be careful. Dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil, unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Verse 13. You must warn each other every day, as long as it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and heart against God. 
See, there's this call now. There's a warning against falling away. And then there's this calling, this encouragement. And what is the antidote? What is it that keeps me from from slipping backwards, from falling away? What is the, the insurance policy that God puts in my life to see to it that I keep moving forward? You know what that insurance policy is? It's you. I need you. We need one another. This is what the scripture says. You must warn each other. This is part of what we do for each other. We, we, we need each other. The, the bottom line is spiritually blind people are blind to what they're blind to. I worked hard on that. They're blind to what they're blind to. You understand what I'm saying? That there are now parts of yourself, parts of your heart that you honestly don't see. You think you know your heart. You don't know your heart. You don't know yourself very well. I don't know myself very well. I I think I know myself, but the problem is I am blind, mostly to myself. I can see you pretty clearly from a mile away in the fog, but when I look in the mirror, I have this horrible tendency only to see the man that I want to see. Have this tremendous gift, this tremendous ability to ignore all of the parts of me that I just don't even want to think about. I was walking in the Greenwood Mall years and years ago when my grandma was still alive. Virgie Pearson was her name. Grandma Pearson was an amazing lady. One day, this lady came walking out. We were walking in the mall, and this lady comes out of the ladies' room right in front of us. And she had this long piece of toilet paper like coming out of her skirt like a tail like it was on the ground and she's just walking through the mall with that that toilet paper well of course she doesn't know you know so my grandma Virgie starts trying to step on it and I'm thinking grandma stop you know because as much as I you know don't want to see this end I sure don't want to see the other end you know I mean so but grandma's like it's like the lady had no idea, and you have no idea either. There are sides of you that we all see you don't see. And that's why you need people. There are sides of me I don't see. I need people. You know, Warren Weeks this week did an amazing and beautiful thing for me. We've worked together for, what, 100 years now, Warren? We're just boys. Warren knows my habits. He knows how I work, and I'm very, uh, in many ways, disciplined and regular, and you can sort of set your watch by certain things I do. And Warren noticed that there's a particular part of my work that isn't the same. It's a habit of mine that I've done. You, you set your clock by it, and all of a sudden it wasn't there. You know, Warren's a really good friend to me. Warren sat down this week and said, before we talk about anything else, what's with that? You've always done this, and, and, and I don't see that. I just want to know it. Everything okay with you? That's good, y'all. That's a really good friend. Just checking. He wasn't accusing. wasn't saying, hey, hey, you're slipping. <laughs> she said, no, wait, you know, you, you've always done this, and I'm not doing that right now. I just wonder, what does that mean? You can get along forever with a brother like that. You see, that's just the bottom line. We can really only know ourselves in relation with others who will love us and tell us the truth. You don't know yourself like you think you know yourself. And 
And sometimes the truth that they, they need to point out is, is the truth that you know, you, you know it, but you just don't want to deal with it. And somebody needs to help you deal with it, help you face the truth. And they need to do that in love. And this is what we do for one another, brothers and sisters. This is what we need. This is why just sort of skating into church on Sunday morning and not knowing anybody and then skating out, that's why you really can't grow in Christ when you don't connect with people. Jesus has amazing things to do in your life. And and for most of those things, the Holy Spirit is going to work through people. But if you live your life so separated, so far away from people that nobody's able to see into your life or speak into your life, then you're isolated and you're vulnerable and you're very, very unlikely to move forward, to grow forward in Christ. We need each other. You need neighbors that you can love more than you love yourself. You need people to practice the fruit of the Spirit with, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. You understand? The fruit of the Spirit are useless if you're not using them in relationship with actual people. You can say, I'm just so full of the Spirit. I'm growing in kindness and love and patience. And you sit home all day watching Price is Right. It takes no kindness to stay at home by yourself. It takes no patience to live a life where you don't let other people get close enough to get on your nerves. You understand? You need people on your nerves so that you can practice patience. We need one another. Well, Pastor Tim... The church I left was like that. The church I left, everybody's all up in everybody's business, and people are all the time judging you, people all the time talking about you, people confronting one another. I don't want any part of that. Well, let me tell you, I don't want any part of that either. I do not want to be in a church at all where the Pharisees run the place, where the Pharisees win. I don't want that. I want somebody checking my church attendance. I don't want somebody coming up and and, and questioning me on every single TV show I watch or every single Facebook post. I don't need that. There's a, I was a kid and my mom and dad were having really bad marital problems. It was, it was rough. And, uh, I really thought my parents were divorcing. I was pretty sure they would. It was horrible. I remember this guy from church. He heard that, that, that we were having trouble, and he showed up. He didn't have anything, he wasn't, a, he wasn't Dr. Phil or nobody, y'all. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have any counseling advice. He didn't have any marriage advice. I mean, he had nothing. He just showed up at at our house and he sat in our living room and he cried and he said, I will not sit by and let this family fall apart. He's talking about my family. He said, I cannot call myself your friend if I sit here and let you throw this family away. Man, I owe a lot to that guy. Would you agree? My family was a lot to that guy. Now, it took a certain amount of courage just to show up at somebody's house when you know they're in there throwing pots and pans. (laughs) True story, y'all. True story. He showed up. And he said, I'm not even leaving. not leaving. Man, it's what we need. 
It's what you need. More people in your life that will show up and not leave. It's what this church needs. We need to show up and show up for one another. We need that. I don't need you to judge me, but I do need you to love me and love me enough to tell me the truth. And sometimes the truth that you will have to tell me may feel very, very difficult to speak. And sometimes you may have to value my spiritual health above the comfort of our friendship. And I'm begging you to do that. It's more important that that you continue to preserve my soul before Jesus than that you continue to preserve our friendship. Do you hear me? We need one another. And this is what the scriptures say. That this forward motion, this this continued growth, this long commitment to growing is, is what the Christian life is about, but it's not guaranteed. And left to ourselves, we have this tendency just to circle back and not ever get very far from where we first started. I want that to change for you. It has to change for you. So let me offer you this. It's actually a prayer, and it's a prayer from a man named Paul Tripp. But this is the prayer I would recommend today. Write this down. Be ready to pray this. God, I'm a person in desperate need of help today. How many of you would agree with that? Raise your hand. I'm in desperate need of help today. If you don't know that you're in desperate need of help today, then you are more desperate than you know. This is what we're telling you. God, I'm a person in desperate need of help today. I pray that in your grace, you'd send helpers my way. In your grace, Lord, send helpers my way. See, God's going to work in your life, but whether you would choose it this way or not, God's typically going to work through people. So whatever it is that God needs to do in your life, there's somebody that God's going to line up and send your way. Ask him for that. God, I pray that in your grace, and it's always his grace, you'd send helpers my way. Now the third part of this prayer, please grant me the humility to receive the help when it comes. And I would add, through whomever it comes. See, that's the thing. There won't be any perfect person that he's going to send to you. I mean, the poor man that showed up at our house that day to fix my parents' marriage, his marriage was kind of in a mess too. I mean, you know, there aren't going to be any perfect people. Anybody that the Lord sends by to, to teach you patience, it's, they're probably not going to teach you patience because they are so patient. They're going to teach you patience because they are such a pain in the rump. Grant me the humility to receive the help when it comes through whomever it comes. So this place is like this giant Buick Skylark. And we just keep pouring gasoline in it, don't we? And we just keep rushing down the road like we're really going somewhere. But y'all, we look up and we are exactly where we started. Some of you are exactly where you started. So we can't fix this in this service and we can't fix it in the next eight days, but I want us to turn this thing around in the next eight days. So so I'm calling the church to a time of renewal and it starts now. It starts tonight. I I want you to make a couple of commitments. I want you to commit yourself to be at church tonight. 
It's not about coming to church. It's about being together. It's about hearing the word of God tonight. It's about worship tonight. We have a worship leader named Eric Haley who's going to come and lead us in worship. He's an electrician. I'm praying he will electrify. He's just a plain guy. He's from Elkton. He'll lead us in worship. I'm going to preach, and we're going to fall on our faces, and we're going to seek the Lord together tonight. I want you here. Come. Be a part of that. If you're a man in this house this morning or, or, or a young man, I want you to meet me every single morning this week at 6 o'clock in the morning for prayer. We will be out of here before 7, probably 6.45. We will be out of here. It's not going to be all morning, but I want you to come. You say, Brother Tim, you don't understand. I hate mornings. You don't hate mornings more than I hate mornings. I'm letting somebody else lead it because I don't even want to talk to you people at 6 in the morning. Uh, I mean, seriously, I'm, somebody else is going to lead it. I'm just going to show up. In pajama pants. I mean, I'm not making any promise. I mean, bedhead. I am not taking a shower, nothing. I'm just going to get here. You get here too. If it interrupts your work schedule, if you can't move those things around, I get that, I understand that. But if you can possibly be here, men, 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday, this week, Monday to Friday, we're going to meet every morning at 6 o'clock for prayer. It's not that the men matter more than the women, but I just have this hunch that what God wants to do in our church, He can't do without the men. And I also have this hunch that what God's going to do in this church is needs to start with the men. So 6 o'clock in the morning, men. Every morning this week, Monday to Friday. Next Sunday night as well. If my people is our theme, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. I want you to come. If you follow the sermon on the YouVersion Bible app, or if you typically don't, go find it because I've included this week a devotional that we can do together. It's by a pastor named Judah Smith. It's great. It's simple. It's short, but you can do it five days this week. I want you in your Bible. I want you to follow this devotion. It's, it's, it's just called How's Your Soul? It asks you day by day to examine the condition of your own soul. I, I put it on Facebook yesterday. I put it on Twitter. I'll do it again today. You can find it on the U version. You can find it in the link that I'll send online. But, but I'm asking you, come together. If nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes. And I'm asking you to try to make some changes, if only for this week. G give God these eight days and see what God will do with the days that come after that. But give God these eight days. Will you do that? I'm begging you to do that. The, the, the scripture that we've read this morning, it, it gives me this obligation to, to warn you first about the dangers of slipping back. Your heart gets harder and harder toward God, and some of you have very hard hearts. It's a warning and a call. And the calling is back to Jesus, of course. It's back to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. But we're not going to be able to experience Jesus or the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we try to do it without one another. We are the body of Christ, and we need one another. Now, about the one another part. Next week, you'll have the opportunity to sign up for a group this is exactly what groups are for, whether it's a Sunday school class or a home group, just a, a group, a smaller group of people. The idea is that in a room full of 300 people, you are anonymous. And I know that some of you enjoy that. You like slipping in and slipping out, and I'm not judging that. Keep slipping in and, and keep slipping out, but don't expect that you're going to get a, a lot of progress in Christ if all you do is slip in and slip out. Sooner or later, you've got to invite brothers and sisters in Christ across that line into your your private world. 
Sooner or later, you need to know somebody's name, and they need to know your name. And somebody needs the, the invitation to, to, to speak into your life, to, to love you, to encourage you. you. You need people. You need brothers and sisters. Discipleship is not a solo act. It's, it's a group project. Next Sunday, I'm going to give you the opportunity to sign up for a group, and I'm begging you to sign up for a group. Right now, we have a pretty good-sized church, but only about half of our people are involved in anything other than Sunday morning worship. I'm asking the Sunday morning worship crowd to, to take that next step in moving forward. And that next step very well might be to join a group. So think about this week. Pray about that this week. And the next week, be ready to sign up for a group. I don't know how the Lord's speaking to your heart. I hope you know how the Lord's speaking to your heart. And if you don't hear his voice, that in itself is a sign that you've begun to move away from him. I just want to beg you to come back. But pray with me. Lord, I remember, I, I remember as a young man, having grown up in church, I remember the time of my life when something clicked, a, a fire was set in my heart, and I started running after you, Lord. I remember how I hungrily went to your word every day. I remember how I would stop people on the street just to tell them about you, Jesus. I made a fool of myself. I, I, I can remember praying for people. And I remember walking down into the square of Bowling Green in the middle of the night to tell people about Jesus. I can remember fasting for days. I, I, I can remember, Lord, just being in my room alone and worshiping you for hours. I can remember all of that, Lord. But it's been a long time. I cannot live my Christian life out of memory. Help me, Lord, to live it by the leadership of your spirit, by, by the fire of your spirit relit within me, Lord. Help me to move forward, to live forward. Help me to have now what I once had. Help me to be willing to do now what I once did. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to set that fire anew in my life, in my heart, and, and in our church. Lord, I'm preaching to a lot of people who used to go to church more often. I'm preaching to people who used to teach things and used to lead things and used to give away a lot of things. I'm preaching, Lord, to people who used to lead prayer meetings and, and, and groups, Lord, and now live this life of complacency and distance from you, Lord. I'm not even sure that they see how far they've slipped back. Lord, help us together to love each other enough to, to stand in front of one another and say, I'm not leaving. I'm here for you, and I'm not leaving. So things are made right. Help us, Lord. 